Hi, and welcome to Dragon Bites, the paediatric podcast aimed at paediatric trainees or anyone interested in child health. I'm Asim, one of the paediatric trainees here in Wales and one of the presenters for Dragon Bites. This week we've got another one of our paediatric grid podcasts. So if you're interested in applying for paediatric pharmacology grid posts, then this is the podcast to listen to. This week we're joined by Dr. Dan Hawkett, who's one of the paediatric pharmacologists at Alder Hay Hospital, and James Moss, one of the current paediatric pharmacology grid trainees. They're going to discuss with us the application process for paediatric pharmacology and how you can maximise your score and the chances of getting yourself an interview. Anyway, let's get started. So hi everyone, I'm Asim um, and we're here with another careers podcast for grid application. Um, This week um, we're doing paediatric pharmacology grid application. So I've been joined by uh, Dan Hawkett. Hi Dan. Hello there. Uh, And can you tell us a little bit about yourself, Dan? Certainly. So uh, I'm I'm a paediatric clinical pharmacologist. Um, I'm the chair of the Royal College of Paediatrics, CSAC, so the specialty committee who are in charge of training for pharmacology. Um, and I'm an academic paediatrician based in University of Liverpool, Older Hay. Amazing. It's very nice to meet you, Dan. Thank you. And uh, we're also joined by James Moss. Hi, James. Hi, Asim. How are you? I'm well, thanks. Uh, so, James, can you tell us a little bit about yourself as well? Yeah, of course. Yeah. So, my name is James Moss. I'm a, a paediatric clinical pharmacology trainee. Um, I'm based at Older Hay uh, Children's Hospital. And I started my uh, grid training in 2018. Amazing. Right. Very nice. Well, I mean, I've met, I already know James from before, but nice to meet you again, James. <laughs> and yourself, Asim. Awesome. So um, is it okay if we start with yourself then, James? And this is just to get to know you a bit and also to advertise paediatric pharmacology as a bit of a career choice for those who might not have thought of it before. So um, in brief, could you tell us a little bit about your um, medical career to date? What's brought you to where you are? Yeah, of course. Um, so actually, before uh, doing my medical degree, uh, I've done a pharmacy degree um, at Cardiff University, which kind of ties in nicely with the whole pharmacology um, aspect. Uh, I worked as a hospital pharmacist down in South Wales um, and done my uh, clinical diploma in pharmacy. And back in those days, there wasn't the independent prescribing course um, that so many pharmacists uh, do these days. And as I was doing my diploma, I actually found that I was more interested in the diagnostic element, um, which I felt was missing in pharmacy, um, and therefore went back uh, to do medical school in uh, in Birmingham. So I'd done the graduate entry course um, at Birmingham University and then continued my foundation training uh, in the Birmingham area. I, I then applied to do paediatrics and... Uh, up in the North Wales um, Deanery and completed my ST1 to ST5 training in the Wales Deanery. Um, So for DGH training, uh, all of that was actually in North Wales, but then we'd done our tertiary placements um, elsewhere. So for example, we'd done our our neonatal tertiary placement at Arrow Park Hospital and um, my paediatric tertiary placements at, at Alder Hay Children's Hospital. 
And uh, during one of these placements, uh, I met Dan, um, who was obviously a pediatric uh, clinical pharmacologist, and we got talking. Um, and then I decided to apply for the grid post uh, in pediatric clinical pharmacology. And so far, I've completed my first year. Um, so I've completed ST6. And I've actually taken a year out of training um, at the moment. And I'm working for a pharmaceutical uh, company called IQVIA. Um, and they're a contract research organization. And my role there is to gain further experience really into pediatric clinical trials, how they're designed, how they're conducted. Um, and then I will return to my uh, pediatric pharmacology training in September of this year. Amazing. It's a really, it's a very varied, but very tied together career at the same time. <laughs> it is, yes. So what, um, James, when you, uh, you know, when you finished medical school, had you always been thinking about doing pediatrics or, or is that something that occurred to you later? No, I actually never wanted to do pediatrics initially. Um, I think when I was a medical student, the thought of working with children uh, actually really frightened me. And I was actually thinking about a uh, career in anaesthetics. Um, but then I did my pediatric placement in medical school and really enjoyed it. Um, and then I started to think of, you know, could this be the career for me? Started to think about it a little bit more. It gave a good mix of acute and chronic care. Um, I also hated, you know, seeing the elderly laying in hospital, waiting for social care packages. And then sometimes they'd end up dying, you know, of a hospital acquired pneumonia um, in the process. And that for me was, was just a bit of a heart sink. Um, so after my, you know, after really enjoying that medical school placement, I thought, right, I tailor my foundation jobs, you know, around pediatrics. I knew I definitely wasn't a surgeon. Um, so I, I done a pediatric rotation, an A&E and a GP uh, rotation. And even in the A&E and GP rotations, I found myself enjoying the pediatric components um, more, actually. And then again, started to think about it a bit more and realized that children are really responsible for their own health. And one of the things that frustrated me in adult medicine was people not taking on board, you know, the advice you'd give them attempt to you know, advise them to top, stop smoking or cut down their alcohol intake and they continue to do so or be non-compliant with their medication and I think you know being able to advocate for children and you know aim to get the best out of them was actually something that I really enjoyed um but also I think I think you know one of the things you've got you've really got to enjoy your career um so I enjoy pediatrics and I think if you're not enjoying what you're doing it's going to be even more challenging so even though pediatrics is a challenging career I think it's actually really rewarding as well I mean I completely agree it's, it's one of the joys of even though you're working a lot you enjoy all your time at work um so what was it that drew you to um pharmacology yeah so I think because of obviously my background in pharmacy I've, I've always had an interest uh you know in in medicines and, and pharmacology um and you know, there's a, there is a need for more pediatric pharmacologists. There aren't many uh, in the UK at the moment or, or worldwide, actually. Um, and children are still classed as, as therapeutic orphans. Um, you know, the, until 2007, it wasn't mandatory that, you know, children had to be involved in, in clinical trials. And what used to happen is they just used to take a 
bit of a you know take the drug that he was or the dose used in adults reduce it by a bit hope it worked in children there was no real monitoring of the side effects um and therefore i wanted to join the pediatric pharmacology community to kind of help advocate for these children really <laughs> that's a, that's brilliant it's really well put um and then just one final question i was just wondering what you i mean pharmacology is quite a specialized sub area um i was just wondering what you find the most rewarding part of your job is in this field yeah so the good thing about the pharmacology grid training post is actually it's a mix of pediatric pharmacology but also general pediatrics as well so the aim is is that you're you you come up with a qualification in you know in pediatric pharmacology but also gen peds and that's because most clinical pharmacologists are also working as as general pediatricians um so we've uh, i'm on the the clinical pharmacology csac and dan myself and, and the other csac members have just been reworking the uh, pediatric pharmacology curriculum actually to make sure those general pediatric competencies um, are included and for me you know, I still enjoy the acute nature of being a pediatric registrar and, you know, treating those children who are sick and seeing them get better is probably still one of the most rewarding aspects um, of my job. And I still get to experience that doing this grid training program. When you look at, I guess, the, the pharmacology aspects of, of the job, then there are rewarding aspects there as well. So, you know, being sub-investigator on on clinical trials that are trying to find new treatments for rare and life-limiting diseases and although a lot of these drugs will unfortunately fail you know there is there will be some that are successful and and being part of that for me is is quite rewarding and also from a personal kind of academic perspective this role has allowed me to get a few publications um under my belt and that's, that's a nice sense of achievement as well, especially when you first start out, I think. Lovely. Um, well, thank you very much, James. Um, we went, uh, What I uh, wanted to get an idea about, Dan, is what the actual um, paediatric pharmacology grid post involves, You know, what, um, how long it is, what posts you have to do. Um, could you tell us a little bit about that? Uh, I can. So there's, there's, there's two... So, so first of all, we have a new tra uh, grid um, what's it on? syllabus curriculum online on the Royal College website. So we have been through the process of updating it to align with shape of training. Um, and, and that's that's all live and up there. Um, so, so we have got a published curriculum on the shape of uh, Royal College's shape of training website that sort of gives you the gives you the facts, if you like. But I guess what that doesn't tell you is how you go about doing it and what what the options are. So currently we have two training centres. We have the Royal Derby Hospital and we have Alder Hay. And they're slightly different training experiences in both sites, but they both fulfil all the requirements that we, we need. And we're quite, for the latest training, we're very much looking at doing uh, some cross-site training between the two to make sure that they get the full range of the experiences between the two. From the... From the older hate perspective, we we bundle training into two two distinct parts. So there's six month blocks 
two or three, depending if you're doing two or three years of grid training, um, based on older health clinical research facility. So that is where you are acting as a clinical pharmacologist delivering a clinical service. And part of that clinical service is looking at polypharmacy ward rounds, drug rounds, um, complex prescribing things, hospital drugs and therapeutics committees, um, medicines management committees, um, doing, doing the, the work of the hospital around sorting out complex patients with, with difficult medicines issues. Part of it is looking at clinical trials in children, um, getting on delegation logs, learning how to consent for research, looking at the differences between clinical trials and investigational medical products, so CTIMS versus academic studies versus um, the different moral and ethical dimensions of having children in studies where their benefit is not guaranteed compared to clinical medicine, where you're doing things because you honestly believe you're more likely to do more good than harm. So there's, there's that, that aspects within the six-month blocks on the CRF. And then beyond that, we have six months six-month blocks in places where the prescribing is challenging, difficult, complex. So it might be, and it, it very much, we, we tailor it to people's interests. So the latest consultant we've got, Dr. McWilliam, he's very, very interested, both from a professional and a research perspective, around the effects of renal failure and that the effect that has on the pharmacology of drugs. So he's done some work with our renal team and some placements with them. When I came through, I did some work on the neurology and oncology teams to make sure that, you know, those sort of complex prescribing issues were considered fully. Um, we also looked strongly at places like PICU, which are almost a prescribing research void. Um, so they're the kind of placements we'd look at to complement the clinical service delivery pharmacology placements. Amazing. Um, so, I mean, that's really varied. Um, James, it'd be great to get your perspective on this. What, what have you done with your ST6 year so far? Yeah. So, <clears throat> so my first, so like Dan said, we split, we split our time up into six month blocks. Um, so for the first six months, I chose to do the pharmacology um, block. Um, so that was based on the clinical research facility. Um, and that was doing a mixture of, um, you know, being being sub-investigator on a mixture of uh, commercial trials, so those sponsored by industry, but also academic um, trials as well. Um, I got to submit my first IRAS application, which was a bit of an, uh, an eye-opener and took many days. Um, and what, what's an IRAS application, James? Um, so it's a research application that uh, whenever you're doing a clinical uh a trial or research, um, then you, you fill in the IRAS application form and then it basically goes to the, the HRA. Um, if you're doing a, a CTIMP product, then it'll go to the MHRA as well, but it also goes to the ethics committee. Um, so it's it's kind of a one, one-stop shop for, for reaching all the people that you need to get involved in your, in your research. But it's a fairly long-winded um, process <laughs> um to complete so that was a, that was a, a good learning opportunity for me actually um because i'm sure that won't be the or that'll be the first of of many to come um but in addition to that i say I've, I've also had experience you know on sitting on medicines committees on the medicine safety committees um i had the opportunity to join the the royal college of pediatrics and child health uh, medicines committee as well so i'm the i'm the trainee representative um on on that 
Um, and also during that six months, I uh, wrote a few monographs um, for a book as well on, uh, on pediatric drugs. Um, and yeah, and in addition to that, I was also doing all my on calls as well. So that six month block was obviously involved my my on call placements as well. And I think the first six months it was just bedding down into pharmacology really, and and just appreciating uh, a, a new way of working. I think and a, and a new speciality. Um, so I think that the next now you know two years um, will be a lot more focused um, for me. But the the second six months I. Uh, chose to do renal medicine, um, obviously because a lot of drugs can cause acute kidney injury, um, and I thought that would be a good, a good specialty. Then um, that ties in nicely um, with pharmacology. And so, just to give you an example, on my next rotation now is ST7. Again, I'll be doing my six months of pharmacology, but then the second clinical placement I've I've chosen is oncology. And that's because of obviously all the cytotoxic drugs that are used, um, a lot of adverse drug reactions uh, associated with those. So I'm trying to pick my clinical placements in conjunction with Dan um, to let me gain or, or get the best experience from a pharmacology perspective. And yeah, thoroughly enjoyed it so far. <laughs> it, I mean, it sounds like you have. It's incredible to think that, and perhaps this is just the nature of doing pediatric pharmacology where clinical work and academic work are so closely tied together, but it sounds like you just achieved a phenomenal amount in your first year just by listing all of that. Yeah, I think it is. It, it is one, you know, it, when you are involved, as it's not just sitting at your desk doing research. You are actually spending time with patients as well. And I think that's what I really enjoy about it. Wow. Um, it was something that you mentioned earlier, James, that you, you're currently doing, and from what I understand, this is a year out of program that you're doing at the moment, that with, with in a in a um, working with the uh, sort of private industry. Do you mind just telling us a little bit about that as well? Yeah, of course. Yeah. Um, so basically, there was a an application just over a year ago now that was it was a national application, and it was a joint. Um, initiative by the Royal College um, and also by IQVIA um, to offer a 12-month kind of fellowship uh, program with IQVIA and I applied for the post unfortunately was um, was successful in obtaining it. So IQVIA uh, are what's called a, a contract research organization and not many people would have heard of that. Most people will be familiar with what you know, a, a drug company like, I don't know, Pfizer or AstraZeneca are, um, but not many people will be familiar with a contract research organization. So a quick explanation as to what that is. So contract research organization essentially facilitates the conduct of uh, clinical trials. So the drug companies will approach the CRO um, with, you know, the a potential drug that they've got and they want to take to market. And then the CRO will help the drug company get that drug to market by choosing, for example, which sites to take it to. Um, and, and then they will then run the, the trial for the drug company. Um, so I sit within the Pediatric and Rare Disease Center of Excellence at IQVIA. Um, and that was that was intentional, obviously, with the pediatric aspect to try and get a better understanding and appreciation of how 
clinical pediatric trials are run and also understanding how industry is different to the academic world as well you know those who have done academic and commercial trials will realize that you know your academic protocol tends to be a few pages long whereas your commercial trial protocol may be 170 pages or something silly like that um so i wanted to understand the you know the, the differences in in both research um landscapes really and yeah so i i've been there for two, i was called back for three months because of covid <laughs> so um IQ, uh, IQV were kind enough to let me go. And I did return to Alderhey for, th for three months um, to help with the, you know, with, the, with the clinical response to that. But yeah, overall, my time has basically been helping to design and, and um, conduct clinical trials um, for new products that are coming through. And it's been an interesting uh, experience. Amazing. Right. Thank you very much, James. Um, I mean, listening to the both of you, it's, I mean, pharmacology just comes across as such a unique area compared to pretty much anything else I've come across so far in paediatrics. Um, but it's unlikely that many trainees would have had the opportunity to have been exposed to this before. Um, so say if a, a trainee is considering this as an option or, or you know, is looking, looking to explore this a bit further, is there anything that they could do to, to sort of explore pharmacology as, as a future career option? So, so I suppose the thing is to say is that there are many of us, um, but so if you have a burning desire to learn about pharmacology, you contact me or you contact Elizabeth Starkey in Derby or you contact Steve McWilliam also in Liverpool and we can point you in the same direction. There are lots of people who are essentially doing roles similar to what a pharmacologist would do who have evolved into those roles over years. So there's uh, Mark Turner is a neonatal pharmacologist in all but name. There are um, David Tuthill in Cardiff um, is a paediatric pharmacologist in all but name. Um, there are various people around who can provide you with advice or signpost you and we can probably find somebody in your local area who does the right kind of things and works in the right kind of areas for you to talk to more locally. But you know, we are happy to talk to trainees, um, arrange a chat or a phone call or whatever, to say what you want, why do you want it, how do you want to get here. What I would say is that it takes a little bit of time. We are a small specialty. We don't have a huge number of grid posts. And it would be a, it's not impossible, but it would certainly be unusual for a person we've never seen, heard of or met before to apply to grid post and be successful. I mean, if you're good enough, great, we'll have you. But people tend to have shown their hand and expressed an interest beforehand, and we will work with those people to try and make them as employable as possible, obviously in a free and open and fair competition. Yeah, but I suppose it makes sense that in such a specialised area, if you're an unknown entity suddenly approaching it, it might be a bit more difficult. I think from what I remember, James, you were, I, I met you when you were applying to paediatric pharmacology and, and you'd, you'd been quite involved in, um, in related areas before you'd even applied. Yeah, so um, I had actually met Dan on one of my, you know, Alderhey placements and we got talking about the, the, the grid process and therefore because I wanted the job, I obviously 
tailored my CV and then started working on pharmacology related, um, you know, research um, and interests really to, to beef that up. So I think one of the things I'd say is if, if you are interested, in it there are things that you can do at any hospital so you know aiming to sit on a drugs and therapeutics committee for example even if you're not a member most hospitals will let you at least sit in and observe the process so that's something that most pediatric pharmacologists will be involved with and also you could try and be a sub-investigator on clinical trials um so you know it it's unlikely to be an early phase clinical trial like we do at Alder Hay, but a lot of there's a lot of phase three trials um, that happen right up and down the country, and you know it, it would be approaching your you know your research lead maybe in your department and saying that you've got an interest in in research and are there any trials that they're currently running where you could be a sub investigator? Now obviously you'd have to do your GCP course first, but actually that's kind of good general training anyway um so that's another way that you can get involved and there's also um clinical fellow research posts so if if research or, or pharmacology is something that you're interested in then you know a clinical fellow research post is also uh, an option or even taking time out of program to explore things um further but i'm i'm more than happy to be contacted as well so if a trainee wants to reach out to another trainee um, then I'm more than happy and I can give you contact details asking for, for the best way to for other trainees to contact me. Amazing. Thank you, James. Um, so before so before we move into the sort of application and interview aspect of, of pediatric pharmacology, did, did either of you have any further anything further you wanted to say about the pediatric pharmacology career? So, so I suppose the other thing to say is that we are building a spin program. So we've never had one before. Um, and we're looking at doing two different spin programs. So the first one will be a spin in the very clinical pharmacology aspects. Um, you know, if you're in a DGH, somebody has to take the lead for which medicines you're going to actually prescribe, which ones you're going to get pharmacy to order in for you, which ones are safe and not safe, which national, are we following these national guidelines? If there are no guidelines, how do we manage this? Um, when are we happy to go off piste? What will our drugs and therapeutics committee, you know, how will we influence their decisions to make sure children are taken account of seriously? All those sort of aspects of um, medicines management, if you like, we're very keen that there's a spin to help general paediatric trainees or subspecialty trainees who, who are looking for a spin to approach those roles with confidence when they get their consultant jobs. Um, and then the other role that we're looking at developing a spin for is around being a clinical trial person in a DGH. So we want to say, look, you don't have to have a clinical research facility. You might need it for consent or for certain studies that have certain levels of risk. But actually, why should children in North Wales, why should children in real be disadvantaged? Because they haven't got a major centre right on their doorstep. But actually, if we can get DGH pediatricians who can deliver appropriate studies for their populations, then actually we should be encouraging that. We should be training people up to deliver those skills. And there's wins for the hospital. If you are, if you are working to a level where you can deliver high quality research, the evidence tends to suggest that the patients in your care do better. So that there's, there's lots of potential wins here.
Um, so in the future, it isn't just grid training, I suppose, is what I'm trying to say. There will be other options coming through. Amazing. That's, that's really exciting stuff to hear as well. Um, and James, do you have any further thoughts before we move on? I think I'd like to make it known that it is a great speciality and exciting. I think not many people have heard of it, essentially. Um, so I think, uh, thank you, Asim, for letting us have this opportunity to, to you know, let people uh, hear about the speciality, because I still have conversations with colleagues um, who, who don't know what it involves. So I said more than happy to be contacted if anyone else wants uh, any further um, advice or information. Amazing. Uh, um, and thank you both for all that information about paediatric pharmacology. I've already learned loads about it that I didn't know before. Um, so, I thought, so I thought what we'd uh, move on to next. Let's say, so there's a trainee who's just listened to this and they decided, you know what, it's my ST5 year coming up next year. Um, I really want to apply for paediatric pharmacology. James and Dan have completely convinced me about this. So um, starting with yourself, James, um, what general advice would you offer trainees who are applying for pharmacology? So I think you can kind of split this into two sections, Asim. I think you can look at a general grid application, and then I think you can look at kind of specific pharmacology stuff. So if we look at the general grid stuff first, look at the college website would be my first bit of advice. There is a wealth of information on the college website about grid specialty and training. You know, download the grid applicant guide, look at the long listing and short listing criteria, see what grid posts are available. Like Dan has mentioned, you know, in pediatric pharmacology in particular, um, you know, we don't have a grid post available every year, and that might be the same for other grid uh, positions as well. Um, you know, you can look at previous fill rates, etc. When you, it, I think it depends on what you said ST5 has seen, but you might be an ST1 as well, who knows this is definitely what they want to do. You know, they definitely want to be an, a neonatal grid trainee, for example. Um, so I think the earlier you log on and download that shortlist and and, and long listing criteria, the, the better off you're going to be. Um, and, and try and hit those criteria early if you can. You know, just as a, an example, you know, if you get a publication, you know, or a few publications in a peer reviewed journal as a first author, that gets you six points on this short listing criteria. Whereas a postgraduate qualification in medical education only gets you two points. Um, so you can see how if, you know, you can rack up the score pretty quickly by um, by looking at specific aspects. And even, I think another thing is, even if you don't want to end up doing grid, that short list and long list is still useful for, for a future career, because one day you're going to be a consultant and actually going to that list is actually going to stand you a good steed um, in the future for, for your consultant um, application. And, you know, and then from a, from a pharmacology point of view, I think it would be talking about the pharmacology related um, aspects you've done so far. So, you know, have you sat in on, you know, on drugs and therapeutics committees? Have you done any um, research and publications? Have you, have you been a, a sub investigator? Have you done your GCP? 
Um, and I think things like that, because as part of the grid application, you also get to write a, you know, a statement of support to your application. And that's where you kind of sell the, the pharmacology aspect thing of what I would say. Um, Dan, I don't know if you want to add anything else from that. Uh, I don't think so. I suppose there are other with the nature of these conversations is you, you, when, when you mention things, you tend to recur on, on them. There are other things that you can do, you know, um, drug related guidelines, um, adverse drug reactions, pharmacovigilance. There's a whole world of stuff we haven't even touched on that that depends on your interest as to what you'd want to do. Um, I suppose the other thing to say is that it's worth contacting us not for getting to know us or other things, but around timings. There's only two grid slots for this post nationwide. So you need to make sure there is actually a space. We are currently full and we won't be advertising this winter because we don't have any spaces to put people into. Um, and if you're interested in being a pharmacologist, part of it is around the timing as well as the quality of your application. So yeah, do, do just get in touch with us really so we can make sure you know what's going on. Yeah, that's absolutely worth taking note of. So that's um, really helpful when it comes to, um, you know, applying for, for grid pharmacology. Um, have you got any thoughts about, I know we've already mentioned um, looking at the grid scoring system on the Royal College website, um, but are there, in terms of getting as good a score as possible, uh, I always try and direct trainees towards the low-hanging fruit that can be quite easy to to, to achieve. Have, have either of you got any thoughts around that that could help? So, yeah, so I think um, th there are a few things that you can do. I think, you know, we, we all go to eight on eight, we're all on APLS and NLS courses. And um, if you can uh, get nominated as a, you know, as an instructor potential on one of those and then do your GIC course, um, then that's a, that, demonstrates you know good teaching ability um and actually it's really enjoyable so i teach on both of these courses um and and you know they, they are good fun as well like i mentioned already there's the, the publication aspect um now obviously it takes a while to get a, a publication but if that is in in my opinion one way to get a, a an easy score um on on the short list and long list in um point scoring system but i think it's also important to when you when you're writing your application is to get someone to to read it as well people often don't like selling themselves and there's you know there's bits on the application form where you ask for clinical experience and quality improvement projects and management etc um and it might be good to get a few people to read your application um form because they may highlight bits if especially if you know the person well they may highlight bits that you maybe have forgotten about so i think it's it'd be good to get someone that knows you well to read the application um but also you want someone who's going to be a bit mean <laughs> as well so you know give it to a few people because you don't want people you don't want to put your application into someone and then they're like yeah yeah this is great i've got no edits that you know if they're saying that then it's probably not completely true um so yeah, you you want to choose someone a little bit mean as well, who's really going to critique it um, and suggest improvements as well. I think it's a really good point about getting people to read it, and you, you need a 
you do need a harsh judge, somebody who can edit stuff, somebody who can write, because you're expected to convey a lot of information in a short number of words. Um, and it's a really fine balancing act between promoting yourself as fully as you can and it being it being difficult to read and staccato because you're trying to miss out all the, the words that usually make sentences make sense. Um, yeah, do do get people to read it. And, and people people are very kind and very reasonable about this, you know. And I've read applications for various specialties that have nothing to do with it. You don't have to know about the specialty. You have to know if you've written it down properly. You should know that you've ticked the boxes to apply for the specialty. So you're not looking for a pharmacologist to read your application necessarily. You're looking for somebody who knows how to write and edit. Amazing. Thank you. And thank you to James and Dan there for recording this podcast for us. So they've walked us through the application process. In a few weeks time, we'll release the episode about the interview process. We're just trying to get out all the grid application podcasts first. But for now, thank you for listening to Dragon Bites. Thank you.